Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A blazing fire under the body of the nitro-powered Toyota Camry of Alexis DeJuria, and this is as bad a fire as you're ever going to see. On this episode, it's regular guy nitro racers Joey Haas and Alex Miladinovich. Erica Anders is your 2020 Pro Stock World Champion in stunning fashion. Low-buck nitro is the best nitro. Scotty's out on Andrew at 1,000 feet. It's Scotty Polacek for the first time in his career. This is the NHRA Insider. Tony Schumacher. Wow, what an appropriate way to end this one. 28 thousandths at the strike. An instant classic final round. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the NHRA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Brian Loans, and still pretty jacked up over what was an incredible uh, NHRA Mile High Nationals in Denver. really was one of the more exciting races that I can ever remember. We had incredible crowds. The electricity in the place was wild. We had upsets, of course. The top fuel field was rife with them early in the day. And then Joey Haas, who's going to be a guest on this show, had you know really one of the uh, most amazing Cinderella days that we've seen a low budget top fuel team have for some time we're gonna really get on the inside of that with joey haas and talk about the thrash talk about the approach talk about the philosophy and talk about the things that really got them uh to that final round by different methods it was uh, a day that had a little bit of everything for that team and unfortunately they didn't come out with a wally but uh they did come out with a lifetime worth of memories and uh an illustration that there is different ways to run a top fuel car and still actually have a competitive top fuel car it was um it was educational to say the least for uh, for a ton of us watching this thing. If you watched it on FS1, uh, you saw a great show. Uh, we had a, really a lot of pit coverage of that situation because it really was so compelling. So you saw more of their work and their thrash than you would have uh, normally. And I think that's a great thing. I think uh, credit to our uh, production side, our, our producers and directors for making those great storytelling decisions when we get to get inside and watch multiple teams thrash in a car perform service with a leak down tester as opposed to pulling everything apart and rebuilding it every round it just was uh was really something else uh we're going to talk to alex miladinovich on this episode of the podcast as well so this is kind of the regular guy nitro burner episode alex miladinovich will be back out for the sonoma uh, nationals and he'll also be running at the winter nationals in pomona the following week of course the great story of the uh, miladinovich family uh, of Southern California running their car on, a, again, a, a thin budget, but doing so with a lot of love and a lot of care and a lot of their own very big ability. Um, the the idea that one brother builds chassis in his garage and the other brother builds the engines in his garage and they kind of tote the stuff across town is quaint sounding in 2021, but it's really the kind of inspiring, cool stories that we love to hear about this uh, great sport of drag racing. Outside of the Mile High Nationals, the JEG Sports Nationals took place in Columbus, Ohio. There was a lot of amazing news there, including a Comp Eliminator racer managing to win two comp races in a single day, which is something that, if not the only time it's happened, it has certainly happened very few times in the course of the history of NHRA drag racing. Then we can go and talk about Jasmine Salinas getting her first win, and this is a national event win. The Sports Nationals award the winners with the full-size Big Wally, and uh, you will be recorded as a national event winner in your career. A big, big victory for her, and one that we were able to effectively work into our race broadcast as we asked Mike Salinas at the top end after him he made a winning first round run what his thoughts and feelings were and it choked him up there was a lot of tears on the top end uh, and they were happy tears at least the ones we saw on camera over the course of Sunday at the Mile High Nationals Joey Haas's first round interview was uh, was really spectacular he was so humble and so moved and the tears coming down his cheeks as he was looking at the the time slip and 
you know, they, maybe there are some people that say, oh, why would you bring that up? Well, because it's a great thing to see. It's a great thing to see that this, this journey, this trip, this effort has uh, borne fruit for him and that that fruit is meaningful to him. And it's just uh, really something else. Of course, Matt Hagen in the Nitro Funny Car category was the class of the field from end to end. Um, really, the 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 runner-up in this race, Alexis DeJoria, they that team has come on very strong. Two semifinal appearances, now a final round appearance in the last three races. They did test before uh, Denver, rather. They tested before we went to the Mile High Nationals. We talked about it multiple times on the show. But it was a great decision because they came out of the gate on Friday night laid down a great run, which set the stage for them to be able to make those incremental steps forward and to have all the information they can gather to make better hot weather tune-up calls on the mountain. So uh, to Alexis and Dell and Nikki and the entire team there, the Rocket Phones Bandero Premium Tequila Toyota, that was a heck of a showing, and uh, the momentum and the forward movement on your side kind of indicates that it uh, may not be long before we're talking about Alexis back in the winner's circle. But Matt Hagen had uh, struggled at Thunder Mountain, on Thunder Mountain in Denver for so many years, and he conquered it. He conquered it with Dickie Venables and a crew that just did not give anybody an inch. I mean, this was a car that was on mean from the get-go. It was running cleanly. Uh, it wasn't It wasn't suffering from mechanical damage or problems. Really, it was, I don't want to say a dream weekend, but it was certainly a great weekend for Matt Hagen and that team. Now they have a chance to sweep the swing, see if they can do in Sonoma. When we talk about the top fuel category, we mentioned Joey Haas. Of course, Steve Torrance won the race, and that is ultimately the the uh, objective of this whole exercise is to win the race. So the way Steve won the race is the way they have typically been winning races. There are rounds when they just go out there and, and punch somebody in the mouth and get the job done. There are rounds when Steve has to step up to the plate and get with it on the starting line. Um, it is it is a total team effort there, and the, the most recent you know spate of victories they have had have reflected that total team effort. And it is interesting as a fan, as somebody who loves the sport, to watch that seesaw happen where there are times when your your crew gives you that car that is just really on another performance level than anybody else. And there are times when the crew gives you a car that is about dead even with the car in the other lane. So now the, the human factor is going to be a deciding piece of the puzzle. Whether we're talking mechanics or we're talking human factor, there is not a single entity that has done it near as good as the Capco team as, as they continue to do. And then we go to Pro Stock Motorcycle. Pro Stock Car was not at the Mile High Nationals this year. Pro Modified ran uh, in the place of Pro Stock Car. Jose Gonzalez won that class going away. But the most dominant performance of any category on the mountain was that of Matt Smith and Pro Stock Motorcycle. It did not matter if it was in the evening or the heat of the day or late in eliminations. Matt was running his motorcycle within a couple of thousandths of a second of the existing track record at Bandamir Speedway, which was set back in 2018 by Eddie Krawick. And 7111 is the number that um, that you have to crest to beat the track record there on a pro stock motorcycle. And Matt ran 7113 and 4 and 7 and 8. I mean, it was just untouchable. He had he had a huge, huge lead on the field in terms of performance, and he used every inch of it on race day to uh, romp and stomp his way to another win. So the com- the competition was was great, up, down, and sideways. And one of the things that just adds a whole element to the competition at Bandemir is the passion and engagement of the fans. 
These are fans that are in the grandstands for every sportsman run, for every pro run, for every pro mod run. They cheer the safety safari when they drive down the return road. They cheer on super gas and super comp and stock eliminator racers as if they were racing for the final round at the U.S. Nationals. It is so cool. And so great to see the, the the legacy and the engagement of the fans at Bandemir Speedway. We turn our attention now to Sonoma Raceway. That's where we're going this weekend. Joey Haas won't be going. Alex Miladinovich will. There are 19 funny cars currently on the uh, entry list, 17 pro stocks. Top Fuel, unfortunately, going to come in a little short this week. I believe we're going to have 13 or 14 Top Fuel dragsters. And, you know, for those of you that are hitting the panic button and freaking out about the car count stuff, uh, I don't like it, obviously. You want to see 16, 18, ultimately, you know, 20 cars a race. But when we look past the Winter Nationals, uh, I went through all the pre-advanced entry lists so far for the year. Effectively, every top fuel field from here on out is full once we get past uh, the, the next race in Pomona. So the same can be said for Nitro Funny Car. Uh, the Western Swing does tax the resources and the time availability for teams. A lot of teams make a decision to run one, two, or none of the events. And so there are teams that have decided to hit that first one and then retreat back to their uh, retreat back to their respective shops. So many of these teams now have crews that are volunteers. So many of these teams now have obligations outside of the racetrack that they have to meet in a timely fashion on a Monday. So there really isn't a lot of let's go on the road for three weeks or a month and go run our top field dragster. Everybody wants to do it. That is what everybody would love to be doing at all times is running their top field dragster or their nitro funny car. But there is a dictation of leading your life that has to happen somewhere in the middle of that as well. So uh, we're going to be looking at those fields coming down the pike. But when we look at the, the, the nitro funny car field in Sonoma, it is ginormous. 19 cars and, again, a lot of the independents. That's why I'm having Alex on the show here. You have Alex. You have uh, Jeff Deal coming out. You, of course, have uh, Jason Rupert. The list really does begin to, to grow, and that's what this sport needs. This sport needs the independents as much as it needs the big teams. It needs those guys and, and girls that could do this work with their own two hands or that they can hand you know hire seven people to do it for them on a professional level. So, the race in Sonoma this weekend, we know the drill here. Conditions-wise, we go from effectively what is the worst performing air of the year to what is ultimately the best performing air of the year, and it is going to be living up to expectations. The afternoon racing and into the evening racing at Sonoma will be very, very fast. No way around it. High of about 79 or 80, low of about 52 overnight. So let's say we're on the backside of that and we get these cars on the racetrack somewhere in that mid-60 uh, mid degree range and the drag strip still has about 80 to 90, 100 degrees of temperature in it, uh, we could be looking at just some some really earth-shattering runs, especially out of the likes of a, a Brittany Forrest who set the track record at Bandemir. But really among all classes and categories, I look at a guy like Matt Smith and I think, ooh, he gets the conditions, he's going to crush one out of the park. I look at a top field dragster like David Grubnick and Brittany, of course. I look at a, a Nitro funny car um, like Dickie Venables and Matt Hagen or like uh, Jimmy Prock and Robert Height. Of course, Jimmy Prock and Robert Height have incredible history at Sonoma. That's where they ran 337.85 to set what is the fastest speed ever recorded at an NHRA national event. So it's um, a whole lot to look forward to in Sonoma. It's going to be fast. It's going to be fun. The weather is going to be beautiful. And then, of course, in two weeks, we go to Pomona. 
uh, we've returned to Pomona. It really is kind of a homecoming, and we're going to be running the Winter Nationals in the middle of July. We're going to be doing um, night racing there as well, night qualifying. So it will be warm, but really, if you're in the Southern California area, you need to come out and see us at the Winter Nationals because of the fact that it has been many decades since somebody ran the highest level quality of fuel cars under the lights in Southern California. Seems weird to even say that, but that's what the, the, the plan is going to be. Get out there to Pomona, wait out the heat during the day as best we can, and then run during the evening when it has cooled off, both for the racers and for the fans. Go to NHRA.com to grab your tickets for Sonoma and Pomona or one of the other. Certainly would love to see you all at the racetrack and certainly would love to uh, continue this great trend we've had with really strong crowds, with really dedicated fans, and everything that's been going on around it. So now that we've talked all that out, let's begin our first interview of this show. He is the man who was the runner-up in top fuel at the Mile High Nationals. His name's Joey Haas. Sounds pretty good, Joey, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it was an unbelievable unbelievable experience. I mean, there's a uh... Just words can't describe it. I can still hardly hold it together to even talk about it. Uh, I can't thank Mary enough. I mean, it's it's just uh, it's an opportunity that's that I would have never could have never imagined. You know, and and we're going to go through the race day here, but I really want to pick this up in qualifying because um, you guys did really, I think, exactly what you needed to do or wanted to do. You came out Friday, made a nice clean run, and then you did not need to make any runs on Saturday because you were solidly kind of where you wanted it. And I guess my question to start this is, how much did that affect the outcome on Sunday, being able to not have to thrash on the car multiple times Saturday and kind of having that day to, I guess, make sure your T's are crossed and I's are dotted? Well, it's... uh... It, it's it's big for us to keep the money expense down. Yeah. Um, so whatever whatever Terry tells me to do, I, I do that. He said if it feels good to 800 feet, he said that would make the servicing easier. He said, but it's it's completely up to you. Uh, he said you can take it to the finish line. Um, whatever you want to do. So it felt very good. Uh, it's one of those runs where you hate to get out of it, but you do what's needed. Uh, you do you do what Terry tells you most importantly, but. Um, 800 feet it felt great so that, that was about it maybe i made it to 800 feet 700 feet somewhere around in there uh and the 405 surprised us surprised us i mean a 405 for us and terry is a great run anyway and to do it up on the mountains just just shows you how good of a handle terry has on the car uh so that did make make everything easier my guys are all volunteer they come from everywhere around the country and for us to be able to relax on saturday we did get another rack of pistons ready in case we did need it, uh, we got a few more packs of the clutch ready and just went over the motions with my guys. I mean, we don't do this all the time. Uh, to be able to kind of chill out, we was able to go over there with Chris King and the funny car, get some bugs worked out on that new deal. Uh, and we was able to come to come Sunday as prepared as we can. Uh, and it was, it was just easier on us. Now, say we were number 17 outside looking in, we would have ran the car yeah. again uh, to put us in a better position. But like Terry said, we've got a good chance at Denver. We'll go out there, do what we can, uh, just make a good shakedown run on the car to start with, and go from there. Yeah, it really was neat. I mean, the the, the it makes totally all the logical sense in the world. When we we had interviewed you for the show, I think for for Saturday morning, and you said, you know, we're we're comfortable where we're at. We're going to kind of get our stuff together on Saturday and be ready for Sunday. And you know, when you look at like you said, you look at the operation, you look at the concerns of we're not going to burn up parts here because we can't afford to it just that was definitely the most sensible plan and then we get to Sunday morning and the ladder shakes out really on Saturday night and you know a lot of us were looking at the matchup in the first round and 
it was very interesting that you would race Alex Laughlin in the first round. Both of you really kind of seeking a first uh, a first round win at a national event in Top Fuel. Um, and it's like we have the the guy with you know the Scott Palmer setup, which they make more runs and and historically have made more runs than Terry in the in the recent past. So you go, okay, maybe that's an advantage for them. But then we look in the driver's seat. And man, you've driven so much stuff, including this car, but front engine top fuel cars, your nostalgia funny car, everything else. And this is not knocking Alex. It was literally his first Sunday to step on the gas in the top fuel car. But really, you come up there and deliver with a 61 light. They might have smoked the tires, but you were ready for it. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, Alex, he's he's been there and done it as well. Uh, but, you know, when you look back on it, you know, to kind of toot my own horn a little, I hadn't been, hadn't been in the car in a year. Uh, and to be able to go out there and go 060 on the first round, and you know I'm not the driver that just that sits in the lounge and uh, can can hang out in the AC. Uh, you know I'm on the bottom end, tightening the rods, doing everything we can, and to be able to you know be in the heat and thrash all day and to go out there and go in 060 really proves to myself that I can hang with the competition uh, or just be able to perform when we can. You know, and Terry's mentioned it before. You know, if we do get more crew, do get more backing, and can go out there and keep me off the car a little bit, just to keep me a little better, to keep my stress level down, uh, you know, to keep to keep my arms from clicking torque wrenches and stuff like that, maybe it would make things better. Um, but until then, man, I just I enjoy every part of it, every aspect of it, from the front tires to the back tires and everything in between. And it's just uh, it's it's part of who I am. And and to look over there at Scott Palmer and the and the group they've got, you know. When we come back after the first round, after the second round, uh, Scott Palmer already had his guys over there, tool carts over there, the thrash was on. And uh, Palmer looked over at me and said, buddy, you're going to the final round. You better be ready. And long and behold, the story just uh, – It's amazing. You know, uh, yeah, it, it, that, it, there's really no words to describe it, like I said. And it uh, – yeah, it's just an unbelievable experience. You know, watching uh, watching mostly the semifinal, the final round thrash, and we're going to get to that in a few minutes. But when we talk about the the uh, service that goes from round one to round two, you know, I, I say this with respect. Looking at your crew through the through the lens of the camera that we have in our monitors, like these are a lot of seasoned guys in drag racing. Like most of the guys that are working on that car are not you know twenty four years old, and I think in a way that's almost even another cool aspect of the story because I have to imagine most everybody that's working on that thing because they're volunteer really does love this. And they were living a slice of their own kind of dream world on Sunday as well as you were. Oh yeah. I mean, it's ever, everybody's on cloud nine. I mean, me, it is just everybody. It's, uh, you know, for my dad to be there working on the clutch, you know, we run a nostalgia funny car on our own. Uh, but we just don't, uh, you know, when you get into a different cars and stuff and you got different ways of doing things, everybody has their different way. And, you know, whether you nitpick the way things get put together or not, everybody has their own deal and what makes it comfortable. Uh, and for, for Terry to have faith in my guys and his guys and for us to have a, a crew gel like we do when you have a good thing like that, you know, you got to do everything you can to keep it together and to keep everybody happy. Um, and, you know, like I've said before, my crew comes from all over, volunteer, you know, they pay their own way as much as I can cover I cover but they do it because I love it and if the if all this ended tomorrow we'll still be racing just not at the top you know and yeah. uh 
we are we, we've done too much to quit and we enjoy it too much it's just a it's a phenomenal thing so many times these these stories the the one like we're talking about right now end in the second round because of either a team not being able to get the car turned in time or there is some kind of critical flaw that's happened in the in the course of the service getting done you know there are there are things that happen that that illustrate how difficult this really is to do and i think that's a tough thing for us to to illustrate to the fans where you know when you look at a you look at a, a jfr or a dsr team and and they got seven guys that do this week in and week out and they spin a car around in 45 minutes and it's like well what's the big deal about that then we see teams oftentimes maybe get a first round upset win and just simply can't get the thing back together either at all or properly not only did you do it the car comes back up ready to run second round it turns out you don't actually have to run the thing to the finish line. I want to talk about that moment when you get you get told that Lee is being shut off because of the oil leak, and then you're just going to idle the car down the track. Because are you? I don't think you and Terry wear radios, right? Oh, absolutely not. No, there's uh, <laughs> there's no money for radios uh, <laughs> and signals and and smoke signals. Uh, it's, I mean, whenever I whenever I was rolling forward and and I seen that starter. You know, you know how you grab an extension cord and get you a little bit of slack. He grabbed that starter box and got a little bit of slack and started walking over my way. And I thought this, this, this ain't this ain't happening. And give me, give me the one signal, and I'm like, this is unreal. And my dad stepped up, and Terry stepped up, and Terry looked at me. I looked at him, and I'm, I told him, I said, I said, I, I, you know, you're trying to talk, you're you're screaming at each other, but no, nothing's yeah. happening. And you know, I tell him, you know, I try to try to hand signal and smoke signal as best as I can. You know, I'm just, it's, it's, it's I'm going to shut it off. You know, I'm going to idle down the track, whatever, give him the thumbs up. He steps away. The light turns green and just, it, it's like a miracle lap. Uh, you know, it's unbelievable. And, and like I said earlier, I mean, if, <laughs> if we had the backing boy, we would have ran it to the finish line sure. and maybe even got boys for the next one. But the, the, you know, the things work out the way they work out and you prepare yourself to get lucky. And like you said, we were there for the opportunity to take it and uh with a little bit of luck we was able to to, you know to put one in our pocket and go on so it made the servicing even easier uh we didn't take the heads off of it after that first run with alex terry said just leak leak the motor down and run the valve so i grabbed the leak down tester and pulled the spark plugs out of it and everything leaked below 20 percent and adjusted the valves didn't even move any put a clutch in it was ready to go again for that run with leah so when we got back, we were just able to cool the clutch down with a fan and, uh, you know, service the motor to get the oil out of it, put, put new in to get some heat out of it, and leave the valve covers off, put a fan on it, and have time to slow down and eat a cheeseburger, you know, and just, <laughs> to just soak it all in. So then we move to the next round. You're going to race clay. And this there was a moment before either of your cars advanced, which, which may have been the coolest single moment I may have witnessed a, a somebody do with a top fuel car, which is your car is fired. Terry is leaning on the side of it with his arms folded, looking across the racetrack at, at Mike Clover and Clay's car. One, what's what precipitated that? And two, I know you couldn't see him because you were sitting in the race car, but have people told you about this since then? Yeah, I, I've seen the picture a couple times, and it's been <laughs> I, I just commented on it on Facebook and said, man, I wish I could have seen this happen. I, I was, I, you know, I'm in the best seat of the house. Most of the time I was in the worst seat of the house. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it, it, you know, we just, just 
to, for us to say it, you know, we're not we're not here to play any games. We're here to start the car and run these things. Uh, I, I think we can hang with the best of them. And if if somebody wants to maybe try to waste our time and you know and, and to uh, get the clutch hot or whatever, uh, we're ready to run them. You know, we're not a team to take lightly anymore. And and Terry's got a great handle on things. Uh, you know, we may not have the funding like a lot of other people do, but we've clearly got the car, the crew, and obviously the faith to run it and a lot of people behind us. Uh, it, it was a phenomenal moment, and it was just this cool thing where it's like, yeah, it's like, come on with it. Like, we're ready. We're, yeah. we're actually ready to go. And I think um, I, I yelled about it, and then Pedragon was like, that may be the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're not going to quietly anymore. I mean, we've, we've been behind the behind the curtains a lot trying to get our get our act together get everything together look as professional as we can um but you know we've came a long ways in the last couple of years and terry has definitely got the handle on things uh so i think uh i think we're not going to be taken as lightly as we have before especially with that early shutoff run the first run with alex not taking the heads off of it and just being there to turn the car around you know that just shows how consistent my crew guys are um you know i mean there's bugs that can hit you at any point uh sure with multi-millions of dollars, but to take what we've got, put it together and to go out there consistently, just, you know, in the older days of running an alcohol car with me, I never had the fastest car, but if I could be consistent, whether it was eighth mile or quarter mile consistent on the tree, it didn't matter. I found myself going more rounds consistently than I did with anything. Yeah. It makes total sense. It's, it's, it is whether it's in the service or in the, in the driver's seat, the consistency really is what is what ultimately pays off. Let's talk about the service between the semifinal and the final because that was obviously more involved, but the cylinder heads did stay on. Uh, we were over there covering it with the cameras. Oil pan comes off. Did you slip a new set of – did you slip bearings into the bottom of the motor? I mean, what was the what was the bottom end service like? Well, when we got back, Palmer's guys with the toolboxes were already there. Um, I mean, Palmer was already over there. Uh, it, I mean, it was just a, just a sight to see. I'm glad you all covered it uh, because it just shows the grassroots, grassroots of drag racing. If, if I could compare – anybody out there to myself it would be palmer yeah. uh just a guy that you know doesn't believe in much self-promotion the guy that just goes out there and does it if everything ended tomorrow he's 100 percent content yeah you know he'll he'll end up you know with a hot rod on the street burning burning rubber <laughs> exactly Not quit, and that's the same way with me i mean you get a lot of guys with a bunch of funding and as soon as the funding ends they go away uh you know i was always i i believe still be in the sport but the turnaround was was insane it was a sight to see i mean it just shows you the grassroots the drag racing and we get back and he says just leak the motor again it's every time that every time that needle moved over to leak in less than 20 percent palmer's just over there shaking his head he's like this is unreal and his guys are yanking the oil pan off of it and i, I don't know if they put main bearings in it or just upper rod bearings or what uh i had broke a blower belt so i told i told palmer you know, I said, we got to get a belt on this thing. I said, I got to leak this motor down. And he's like, man, he said, you got another belt? I said, yeah. I said, but it's, <laughs> I said, it's used, you know? And he was like, he's like, I don't. He said, I'll be back. He comes up back with a brand new belt. And just, he said, put this thing on. He said, we're not taking any chances. And, you know, that's just the kind of guy Palmer wow. is. I can't express it to him enough. And just, just everybody that the turnaround, we made it, you know, we put some fairings in it, fired it up, lit it on fuel forward and reverse and put a clutch pack in it, went back up there. And, and I mean, we were content with running it to the finish line. You know, we, we were, we were 100% positive in our, our servicing. I mean, the motor leaked down less than 20%. Uh, clearly nothing was hurt. We didn't adjust any valves. I mean, everything looked great. I mean, that just shows you how good of a hold Terry has on this thing. Um, it was dropping a cylinder here or there in the runs. 
maybe we let the air get away from us just a little bit. Uh, and you but, guys certainly it, that was not a problem only you experienced. Of course, that was like the plague of everybody over the course of the day, like it yeah, always is up there. You know, that's yeah, that's that's simply Denver. Uh, but it, you know, it worked out and and uh, was able to just keep keep the momentum rolling. Um, it's just it. I keep saying it's an unbelievable experience, but uh, it just shows you how good a, how good of a hold Terry has on it. You know, he's got a high standard of running the car and took faith in me and. You know, I've got a little bit of experience, but still being young and a faith in my crew and uh, the way he's taught us or the way he wants things done uh, and to go out there and execute, it's just unbelievable. I mean, a lot of people look at me sideways when I when I take this point of view, but watching the way that your car ran, watching the way that the that you, you your entire team, Terry and the entire team operated, watching what the mechanical uh, catastrophes weren't with your car over the course of the weekend, it's like, why why can't we be racing this way? Why, you know, when I when I think of the performance, if we take everybody and, and put them, uh, equalize everybody to the level you guys are running on right now, you can't tell me it wouldn't be a hell of a show. You cannot tell no. me it wouldn't be a hell of a show. Yeah, I, I've, I've run a bunch in the Heritage Series and stuff with Jim Young and Nostalgia Top Fuel and, you know, have done a little stint in Nostalgia Top Fuel. And, uh, you know, they got a they got a fuel pump that's sealed to 20 gallons. Why, why can't we seal the head to the block? You know, why, why can't we, uh, why can't we make, why can't we make something that the parts aren't just consumables? You know, we can't go out there every, every run and put eight pistons to the nitro gods and, and just, and just pull it out, put it in, take, we, you look in our trailer, we don't have a engine sitting there with heads on it, mags on it, timed everything. We do have a spare block with, with crank in it, with a cam in it that's timed. But if we would have tore the motor up Friday, we would have been doing good to have everything together by Sunday. Uh, you know, and these guys, you know, and I, not to take anything away from them, but it, it makes it harder for us to compete. But then again, you know, we're right there on their heels, nipping at it um, for us to be able to go out there and go three nineties or high three eighties, you know, in a Midwest track. And then to go to Denver and go four rows and three ninety eight at 300. I, I told everybody, I even told my mom, I said, listen, I said, it's, it's things aren't going to act the same out here. I said, if we go out here and go four Oh or 410 at 280, 285, I said, that is a good run. And then we go out there and go three ninety eight at 300. And she's like, I thought you told me 300 wasn't going to happen. I said, I, I said that. I said you look over there at Terry. I said I just hit the gas. I said I didn't have the tune-up in it. That was all Terry. So it just being able to not not work on it as much just keeps the cost factor down. You know, um, with more funding, we would have more parts. Um, we would have better parts, better pieces. And Terry has a bunch of parts in the trailer, um, and we do have a lot of consumables. But we, we've got to get those things ready to run in case we do need it. Um, maybe a couple more crew members and stuff like that. But again, it comes with funding. You know, we take everything we have and we, we get here. Um, so it's it, it's just getting everything together. There's a lot of small things we could do on the car to make things quicker, to make make the turnaround better. Terry spends all of his time that he, that he has to get the car to the track. And obviously he does a phenomenal job yeah. on it. So there's there's a few, you know, there's a few small things that we can make things more efficient. Uh and just you know, be be ready because we know that opportunity is just around the corner, and you never know when it's going to strike. You know, one of the last topic I want to touch on is uh, your dad's obviously a hell of a racer, and and the apple has has literally not even fallen far from the tree. It's not even the apple still attached to the tree, as far as I'm concerned. As we watch you uh, and your career progress, um, what was his takeaway from this weekend? Because I know. He was in Alaska when you were at Indy, right? Which one of yeah. your one of your races? He was like calling you by satellite phone or something. 
Yeah, he, he hunts a lot. And whenever I got my license completed at the end of, well, in August of last year, he already had this moose hunt planned for Alaska. And if, if racing ends tomorrow, we will always hunt. Um, he's just the best outdoorsman that I know, best person I know. Um, but when we, when we went to Indy and had the Indy three race where yep. Terry ran, and then the Monday after I got licensed when, um, Bob Bodie, his son got licensed and completed my license. Terry looks at me and says, man, you could run the U S nationals. My dad looks, he's like, I'm going to be in Alaska, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> I mean, it, it definitely, you know, I wish he would have been there, but you know, it's, it's, we, we live life. Um, we're, we're going to end up, end up at the end of life and have done everything we wanted to do. And, uh, so he was in Alaska. We go out there and qualify, talk on a satellite phone, all that stuff. And then he was able to go to Dallas when I went 300. Um, but I've just, I've had the best teacher to learn from. I mean, any questions that I've had over the years, it's been easy to ask. He's done a phenomenal job in the ranks that he's been in. Um, and we put this together, this new nostalgia Nitro funny car that was old man Creasy's car. We're going to go to Nitro Chaos with it. It's a '57 Chevy, beautiful car. Uh, he's going to drive. You know, I'm ready to start learning uh, more of the knobs and the screws and just be able to make our own calls on the car in three to four or five years. We've got a crew chief, Scott Shear, that's helping on us with our car pointing us in the right directions and stuff. And uh, for for the dad to be in the seat and the kid to be out front tuning on the motor, that's that's where I want to be. Um, I mean, I obviously completely enjoy driving. I oh, sure. do not want means, but there's just so much to learn. And, you know, like I said, from the front tire to the back tire, I want to know absolutely everything. And Well, so Joey, after everything you've taken away from this weekend, I think you've brought, you've brought a lot of awareness to fans that maybe didn't know that there was another way this could be done. Um, I know that your next appearance on the racetrack is going to depend on finding the funding to come back out and do it again. Ideally, do you have a, a time frame? Do you have anybody you might be able to lean on for a phone call? What's If there is any plan, what is the plan? Well, I mean, it, it the, the options are endless. Um, me and my wife own our own wedding venue in Tennessee, the Barnett Murphy Farm, and we're fairly busy in the fall. Obviously, that stuff comes first. Um, I don't exactly know what it looks like, you know, with the proper funding the options are endless. Uh, I, I picture my racing career like a long funnel. It's collected so many people over the years, and I clearly wouldn't be here without everybody. Terry's got a great handle on the car. He knows my capabilities. You know, if we have what it takes, I, I know my group could run four or six races a year. I can't thank them enough. Um, with more marketing to advance our parts and quality parts, I think we could run harder. I think with some more backing, it's possible for us to run three or four or five races a year next year, maybe the rookie of the year status. Uh, I know Terry's obviously capable. Yeah. The car's capable. Our team's capable. So, I'm, you know, phone calls are going to be made. Hopefully phone calls get sent to me. Uh, if there's anybody out there that wants to be part of it, it's the true grassroots family of drag racing. Like Bobby Lagan always says, family is, is everything. Uh and what, what the Capco guys run and what Steve Torrance runs, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what they do at that level um, and what they represent. You know, what Steve had to say in the staging lanes and afterwards is, is life-changing. Uh, so it's, it's a great experience. I mean, it, uh, the options are endless. You know, I, I look to run with Terry for years to come. And like I said, with proper backing, more backing, more funding, I, I think the options are endless. 
Well, Joey, thanks so much for uh, your dedication to the sport. Thanks so much for the electric electrifying performance on Sunday. It was uh, it was easily, if not the coolest thing I've ever seen in drag racing. It's top three all time for me personally, just to watch it all come together. And again, having the bird's eye view to see the car being serviced and everything, and uh, just the way that your whole team carried themselves and how you uh, how you yourself performed at the moment. It was great. Enjoy your time in the mountains. Relax for a little while, and uh, I'm hoping we can get you some phone calls, get you some parts, and you can come back out and terrorize them again soon. I appreciate it. There's a there's several people that that's got me here. Uh, Clay Wilson with Alliance Coffee Company, and Matt Toon. He's he's a he's a man that's my age that owns a coffee shop, and we we literally sold bags of coffee to get here. A um, and R Restorations in Emory, Texas. I grew up. I was born in Sulphur Springs, Texas and East Texas. And, you know, they knew we were coming out here and anything they could do to help. And Jordan blue with speedy drinks in Oklahoma, we funny car chaos race each other. And he wants to be part of it. I mean, there's so many people that come out here to be part of it. It, uh, it's, it's a great thing. And I'm, I'm forever grateful of the opportunity of Terry and everybody. And, uh, I appreciate your time and everything you have to say in the booth is, is always great. I appreciate it. Well, all the words for truth, man. Appreciate it. Enjoy your time off. And, uh, I hope to see you back at the racetrack soon. Thanks, Joy. Thank you. Thank you. Great guy. And how could you not love the story, the grit, the determination, and obviously the will to compete and succeed. And this is a guy who uh, we have certainly not seen the last of, whether we're talking about Terry Todden or Joey Haas. And uh, I have a feeling, I have a good feeling somewhere in my gut that this guy is going to, uh, this guy's going to be able to hustle up some dough and we'll see him back sooner rather than later. Now let's transition into a guy who we will see sooner rather than later. Alex Milodinovich will be racing Nitro Funny Car in Sonoma and Pomona. And right now he's out working with a sponsor in Lake Tahoe to help promote the event and promote his program. Alex Milodinovich, how you doing and where are you? I am great. Thanks for having me on. I am in Reno, Nevada, doing a kickoff party for the drag races in Sonoma, California. We're about three hours away, and one of our sponsors is based out of Sparks, Nevada, a suburb of Reno. And we're going to have a party tomorrow afternoon, a car show, light the car, whack the throttle. And we are going to have a party to promote the drags next weekend in Sonoma. There's really nothing better than that because it's old school, right? This is an old school style promotion. You got a nitro funny car in the parking lot of a restaurant that you're going to light off and whack the throttle. So how did you get hooked up with this guy? Well, actually, I have you guys to thank all the coverage from Indy last summer when we were racing. Um, he saw our racing at, in, at Indy. He's sitting on his patio with his wife. And uh, Eric Amberson said, I'm going to sponsor that guy. And he found me on the internet and I got an email from my website. <laughs> and next thing I know, we're, we're swinging a deal and he's been on board and he's in it for the long haul. Uh, we just trying to work out the bugs, uh, new year, new program. I spent a ton of dough upgrading our racing team and our program, buying new stuff. We got all the, the cool stuff. Bill Miller's right down the street. I'm going to go buy more connecting rods that I've ever bought in my life. <laughs> so he, he came on board and he's literally, it changed my life. It brought a lot of money to the program and we're going to try to build to be a championship contender for 2022. And what our best thing to do, I took a chapter out of John Force's book to go put this thing in every hot dog stand I could just to go promote the drag racing. Well, there's, there's value to that in the sense that this is the way so many people have built their career. This is the way that a lot of guys have done it, and it doesn't it doesn't change over time. The more people you put yourself in front of, the more people that you engage with, it actually helps to grow your program. It's the old school way to do it, but man, it's still a proven commodity. Yeah, you know it. I just 
I really I love drag racing. Everybody knows that. If we could sell more tickets and get more, fill those stands, get everybody watching the drags on TV. It all starts with that one kid that came to the drags with their dad when they were when they were nine years old. And if, if I could do that to to uh, anybody in the world and get a fan for life, I just love that. You know. No, it's fantastic, and that's been your it really been your mo since since the beginning. Since you're racing nostalgia funny car or anything you've done since then, you really have always engaged directly with the people that have been involved. Whether it's sticking kids in the car to get the photo, you know, from their mom or dad, like the, these are the things that really build the fan base, really build kind of the next generation of racers. Yeah, that's this. My first trip to the drags was like everybody else, just like you said. Uh, bring the kids into the pits. The crew has explicit instructions. If they're not busy, let a family come in, take a picture with the car. I heard one, someone say, you know, uh, John force used to be my favorite. Now you are. And I go, well, John force <laughs> is still my favorite. So it's okay. It's all good. And, and I love that with the sport too, because there, there are next generation of spectators and it's a family affair. And just to show somebody, you know, we're competing with baseball, football, movie entertainment. You know, down in Southern California, we got Disneyland and all the sports. We're competing with that, and I want to be that different. I heard Metallica for years after they'd play gigs outside these small nightclubs, they'd stick around and talk to the fans until one, two in the morning. And it, it and again, that's that's the proven commodity. And it, and they they had uh, you know Howard Stern, I'm a big fan of his, and they're rerunning a lot of interviews of his uh-huh. over the course of the summer. And and his interview with the uh, with Metallica, they talk a lot about that. They talk a lot about oh. playing playing the strip and playing these little clubs, and then staying there all night long and just talking to everybody that walked by to kind of build who they are. Yep, and a lot of kids, much like like Metallica and all the garage <laughs> bands, would go out and promote. They're, they toured. They didn't have iTunes or Apple, the computers to make all this music. They went out and toured. And I'm again, I said I'm always old school drag racing. And if if I can just continue to do that and keep that tradition alive, I just love it. And I get, I like, got to meet a lot of cool people. We're at the sports bar, like I said, outside of Reno. And there's there's like a hundred people in here that have just come and talking to me. I'm gonna have a sore throat by the time I show up to to Sonoma. But that's a good thing, man. That's again the old school promotion is a is a fantastic part of this sports history and continues obviously today with what you're doing. And I want to talk about you know the things you've been doing, the things you've been working on since we last saw you. And I know the work for any team, the work never stops, especially for a team that's the size of yours. So let's talk about from the last time we saw you out on on the tour to when you're coming in now. What have you been working on? Well, we started building a spare chassis, and I've always been welding fabricating my whole life and I actually like building cars so we ran out of room on my little two-car garage in Orange California so we're actually again kicking it old school <laughs> I'm building the spare car at my mom's house which is where I built my first drag car oh my god that's awesome both my parents are retired so they cleared the garage out and they just think it's the coolest thing they've got the time and they got a really cool retirement gig going going on and they just love having the crew come over and we're in the middle of building a spare chassis because our, our chassis is a copy of an old style Pluger and that's what Force and all those guys used to run back in the day and it's pretty close to what they've done it's worked for us and we're making some changes and so just building the chassis and all the components has been our other full-time job in addition to our full-time jobs 
It's it's great. And we, we can think back to a guy like Tom Hoover and his dad, George, of course, which I know you're totally familiar with them. And, and mm-hmm. George, you know, George Hoover was like the guy that was always at the racetrack. But the fact that the fact your parents are willing to pull the cars out of the garage for you to work on your funny car is the best thing ever. Oh, it's rad. My mom even put all the pictures of all the cars that we built. My brother used to boat race. He actually used to boat race against Bob Bodie Sr. <laughs> back in the in the late 80s. And it's just the coolest thing, you know, family and friends, everybody in Orange knows. And I've even, you know, Force has got his place up in Reno down the street. I shot him a message. I said, hey, I saw after Denver, you're you're at your place in Tahoe. Come down. We're going to have a party. That's great. No, that's that's even better than anything else. Like if the the – what we've seen so far over the course of this season is we've seen a lot of independent teams, whether it's the East Coast, the center of the country, or the West Coast. Obviously, last weekend, Joey Haas, who's been the first guest on the oh, show, had yep. an epic weekend. And, you know, I think what it, to me what it, what it proves is that if you show up, it doesn't matter if you show up for 24 races a year or 10 or 5 or 3, but if you show up with the right parts and people that are dedicated and concentrated on doing their jobs, you can win a drag race. Exactly. You just, you got to go out and run it again. Like going back to the Metallica shows, these guys are showing up and racing, just like you said, and you never, ever bet on a drag race. Tom Hoover back in the (laughs) seventies raced some guy at orange County in the seventies for, for $30,000. And it was this non full-time racer against Hoover. And he won and he says it changed his life. And Tom Hoover would have been the man you always bet on back in the day. And to see those guys come out and, you know, Gainesville, we had the, the, the super rad thing. Two brand new drivers stepping up to top field dragster yeah. and winning. That's awesome. I'm just hoping for mine. We found the we hope we found the sweet spot in our car, Kevin Pointer and Big Dummy and Junior and all the guys have been working on the car to find what we've been the issues we've been having and all of our issues have a answer to them. And I hope I'm I'm gunning for this, you know. Uh, we want, we're we're here to party and we're here to race. Yeah, and, and to me, the most interesting thing about a team that runs a limited schedule is the fact that you have to solve those problems in a very short window. You, you don't have the luxury yep. of renting a racetrack for a day or two days and making eight or ten runs and going, oh, okay, that's what happened. You don't have the luxury of going, well, maybe we'll get it the next time. It, the reality is you have to maximize any time you spend at the racetrack has to be maximized. So my my question is in this off time how do you not how do you not overdo the analysis right how do you kind of an, analyze things but not go a step over when you kind of get lost in the numbers one of the things i've always tried to do is just have a good balance in my life we have we got 12 of the most amazing people that are always working on the car we got a few more that travel out of town every part gets looked at every part gets watched we washed we did inspect it we do all the motor work at my brother's house, who's also four blocks away in Orange. And we do all the clutch work at my house. And, you know, just trying to incorporate my family and get the family time. I started replaying the guitar like I did back in high school. And just to get a- away from it, just to remember, you, you, we love this and we can't let it drive your life. And, uh, the, you know, the singer Social Distortion said the best thing he ever did was set down the guitar. Yeah. and go work on old cars. Yes, learning how to rebuild Strongbergs, and I know you do a lot of cool stuff with tractors and farm equipment, and that's your your hobby. And then you got your regular business. And Mike Ness goes to do what we do, and I'm trying to learn and remember those four chords on the guitar that made everyone millionaires. 
And it's just balance with my daughter. You know, we go out and have fun. We, we go out, we shoot rifles and I always sing to her and she goes, dad, you're tone deaf and out of key. So <laughs> I just, but a lot of work goes into the car, a lot of measuring. And these cars are, are very tough and they just need attention and you got to love and respect them. Yeah. And that's a, and that's a fact. And I think when we look at, Again, to, to double back on, on Joey's program from last weekend, the, the, those guys didn't pull the cylinder heads off one time, which was just mind-boggling for all of us in terms of uh-huh. maybe this guy is it, – it, it, it's one race and it's one great kind of moment. But also, maybe this is a little bit of a lesson, right? Maybe this is a mm-hmm. little bit of a lesson to go, wait a second, maybe we can pump the brakes on some of this stuff a little bit because if that is the way you can race – and if you can be competitive like that, th- it opens oh. the door for a whole new set of possibilities. Exactly. It's a game changer. Back in the day, if you had a spare one spare piston, right. you were a big <laughs> right. dog. Right. Uh, Roger Garden said, you know, when he was touring with the War Horse, and then he brought back the Nostalgia War Horse, when all that happened, they never took the heads off. They dropped the pan, checked the bearings, and they knew how the rings were going to be based on the way the car run and the spark plugs. and. At some point, it may get back to that. I don't know if NHRA would ever do some sort of rule, you know, change the rules a little bit. I don't know. But there's a lesson to be learned there, like you said. No, there really is. And it was it was entertaining as hell for for the hardcore fans. It was very entertaining to see somebody doing it that way because they understood that it had been done that way for a long time. For fans that maybe were not that versed, it was entertaining because they thought it was just freakish thing that had never happened before. And yep. when I, when we talk about success with your program, like let's talk about when you roll into Sonoma this weekend, a successful weekend for Alex Milodinovich and his team is what? We leave with the, the same amount of stuff we came with. We leave with a win light in first round. We leave with what? What is, what is success for your team this weekend? You know what? All the years of nostalgia racing, as we focus this on to the future of, of the NHRA drag racing, is qualifying. You, yeah. If you're not there on Sunday, we want to be in the show. Now, you know, we're talking about all the challenges we've had. I haven't been down the track in 10 laps. Yeah. And that was a hard pill to swallow. So we make sure everything's right. But we qualify, and that's my main objective. Now, I can't spend John Force Racing. I can't outspend him. I can't outspend Connie Coletta. But what I can do is do what they cannot do. And the one time when we were, for my first race at Pomona, when we were out there, I told Kevin, I said, hey, man, are you done? You know, Chief Kevin, I said, hey, are you done with me? And he goes, yeah, we're good. I go, there's people at the edge of my trailer. I just walked out there and put my hand out and said, Hi, I'm Alex Melodinovich. Thank you for coming to the drags. Yeah. And just if I can do that with the fans on Sunday with a qualified car, I'll have a chance to go rounds. We have all the good parts. Agritech came on board. Redshirtfriday.com really stepped up. They're supporting veterans programs, and I'm real proud of that. They, They gave us all the good parts. The only thing that's different between our team and those guys is uh, it's an in-house chassis program. It's a car that we built. Yeah, no, we have it's, all the it's good not stuff. An, it's not an in-house chassis program. It's an in-garage chassis program. In-garage, exactly. It's, that's when why. They, that's why this is heroic, man. For anybody that loves this sport, for anybody that really has it in their heart, what you're doing is is what makes us smile. It's what it's what keeps us coming back because you know, not to go into total rant, but at the end of the day. Like, what's going to keep NHRA drag racing relevant and fun and exciting and unpredictable 
is you, right? Yeah, believe it or not, I, I can't. I still can't wrap my head around that, and I, I just love this. And and if I can share the love with people that love old cars, love regular, you know, sports cars, and it's just common ground for everybody that we can just put down our differences and say, hey, we love each other. We yeah. love America, and only a place like this could a guy like me, a welder, come out and just go drag racing against the greatest Ron Caps, Matt Hagen, J.R. Todd. It's just, it's so cool. It is phenomenal. And one of the things uh, to go totally kind of inside baseball on you, one of the things that we talked about today in our NHRA production call with our, our entire production team is the fact that we have like six or seven cars coming that actually have a name on their car like oh yeah you know what i mean and, and which is great so obviously hoffer teacher on your car we got black plague with rupert um we got a, a teacher's pet coming with steve dentrum we got a bunch of cars that are coming with an actual name on them and it's like oh yeah this is the type of stuff yep. that people latch on to and they love i just saw morell we were yeah. hanging out in the sports bar morell came over the little city cuda guys yeah yeah it's um we're trying to to really be a game changer and and put that association now again my beautiful Toyota Camry and it's my old reliable Camry <laughs> all that stuff in the plugs are very important but yeah. the, the the soul that that these guys are putting into it and I've known Rupert since man back when I was in college and and all these guys in Dencham heck my dad even went to college with Gary Dencham at Cal <laughs> State Long Beach and to to really kind of make that if you were to compare to like Formula One with the Ferrari teams and the history of you know the all the Indy cars and the families, it, it's there's a deep tradition here, and it's a love of the sport, as you know. Yeah, it it is, and it's a uniquely American tradition, and that takes away nothing from some of the great you know kind of international people that have competed. But when we look at drag racing and what it represents and what it is at its base. Like, this was a thing that was invented here and perfected here. And, yes, it has gone worldwide on every level. Like, you can find a drag strip but basically in every single country on Earth that is, you know, populated. It, somebody's mm -hmm. drag racing somewhere. But to your point, there mm -hmm. is a romanticism of this time when people did stuff on their own, which is what you're doing, and they worked really hard and they showed up at a sports bar that wanted to give them some, a couple of bucks and they fired the car up and, and wowed a lot of people. And that this is what helps to build a sport on a very incremental and awesome basis. So, you know, on behalf of all of us that really love this stuff, thank you. Thank you for, thank you for everything. I can't, I just, I'm so grateful for everybody and all the help, all the proteins, everyone on the real estate at the NHRA property has helped me out and it's been great. And just an old throwback, just my last one. I could, you can get me talking for hours. Larry Dixon said when he was a kid, he thought everybody went to Indy every summer in the station wagon. <laughs> and I told my, my youngest daughter, Miley, I said, hey, you're riding in the big rig from Reno to, to Sonoma because not many people get to ride in the Kenworth. And I got to do that as a kid, and it's just the coolest thing ever. So I, I love it. It really is. And it's a, um, it's a cultural experience that – you know, for, for your kids, for you, for anybody that, you know, you get out there on the road and you do stuff. And, and it's, uh, we live in a world now where everything is one click away, you know, and, and mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's bad, but you can, you know, you can do anything you want in the world from your phone or your computer or whatever. But to actually, mm -hmm. you sit in the front seat and look out the windshield and actually see the world, there's value in that. Yeah, we came up the Eastern Sierras up here. Beautiful country. If you ever have a chance to go, from southern to northern California on the eastern side. It's the best thing ever. 
when when Marcy and I were dating, she says, "Hey, if you can't snow ski, this whole thing isn't going to work." And I said, "Well, you can handle hot racetracks. We're a team." So, and we we stopped at an old truck stop on the backside of Yosemite. And I talked to these two gals that were backpacking. I saw I said, this. Okay, so I saw this post. Yeah, I want to know the story of this. I saw this post on your Facebook or social media. Yes. Yep. So they have a thing called the the Sierra Pacific Crest Trail. And it's a trail that goes from Mexico to Canada. And I've known a few people that have done that. And so we're on the backside, the eastern entrance to Yosemite. And I said, hey, where are you guys hiking from? And they said, oh, we're doing the Pacific Crest Trail. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And they said, yeah, we did 1,000 miles. And I did the math in my head. So they've been hiking for probably the last year. Oh, my God. And and they and I said, where are you guys from? What's the story? And I said, my wife and I go skiing in Mammoth all the time. And she said, we're from Colorado, and it's one of our bucket lists. And they said, you should quit your job and do this. And I said, ma'am. I got to run to Reno to go chase another dream right now. I don't need another hobby. <laughs> it was cool. And they were just, you know, just getting back to the basis, basics and hiking. And, and that Pacific Crest Trail is part of the John Muir Trail. It's beautiful, the high country. And it was cool. I love road trips. Yeah, but it, listen, you guys are both doing the same thing. Yep. They're, they're doing this thing that they that they've saw – and undoubtedly have thought about for a long time before they committed to doing it. And then mm-hmm. you are doing this thing that you saw and fell in love with and undoubtedly thought about for a long time before you committed to doing it, and here you oh, both yeah. are. That is an incredible yeah. kind of nexus of people meeting. That's amazing. It, it was. It was it, it was kind of cool just to see the, the similarities in their, their their bucket list items. But I want as long as I can pass the physical – and as long as I could see, I love. I want to drive these funny cars until the end. Man, okay, so thank you so much for your time. But I want to give you one more rundown. Where are you at? Who's supporting you this weekend? And obviously, we know we're going to see you at uh, Sonoma Raceway. But give me one more plug on all the sponsors. Okay, great. We're going to be we're at JJ's uh, Sports Bar in Sparks, Nevada, a suburb of Reno. Agritech's been on board to help us. RedshirtFriday.com's been on board to support a lot of veteran, veterans programs. And L&N Linens, First Egg Trucking, I love all those guys, Cortina's Italian, Deli, they are instrumental in helping us pull this off. And there's many more, their mom, dad, Marcy, you know, I love everybody. Well, here's the thing. The good news is when you qualify yourself, you're going to have to qualify yourself. There's 19 cars on the sheet right now, so you got to earn your spot for the weekend at Sonoma. And as I've talked to other racers that are, that are you know, not running the full tour they say that it means so much more to be able to go in there when you earn that spot it means exponentially more than necessarily being there when there are 15 or 16 cars so i know you got your heart set on that and i wish you all the luck thank you very much and i'll see you in sonoma thanks alex appreciate it man all right have thank you and so that is a great conversation with two really grassroots Hardcore drag racers that are coming out here and doing the best they can on the NHRA Camping World Tour. Can't wait to see Alex this weekend trying to qualify in a field of 19 funny cars at Sonoma Raceway for the NHRA Sonoma Nationals. Going to be a great show, going to be a fun show, and certainly at sea level, it will be a fast show. You can watch us all weekend long on FS1. Our first qualifying show will air on Saturday mid-afternoon, and then Sunday you can catch us at 3 p.m. Eastern on FS1, directly followed by our elimination show at 4 p.m. Eastern, also on FS1. So just park yourself on FS1 on Sunday afternoon, and you cannot miss 
all of the racing action. There will be a big bump spot in Funny Car, a bump spot in Pro Stock. The, the top fuel field, eh, looking a little short, but that's going to be okay. It's going to be at a killer race at great racetrack that is always very, very fast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. I will see you next week recapping our awesome weekend at Sonoma and getting ready for our even greater weekend at Pomona, California. The Winter Nationals in the middle of the summer. Who'd have guessed it? Well, 2020 would have. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Brian Lones.